Man, it's wonderful to just see you out this morning. And man, when you, when you look at what it takes to please the Lord and you look at what it means to have faith, man, I think we're all in the same boat. We don't want to hear Jesus say, Sean, why did you doubt? You were right there. Why did you doubt? You have little faith. Colossians 1.10 says, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and to please him in all respects. Everything I think, everything I say, and everything I do, every season of my life, I want to please the Lord. Hebrews 11.6 says, it's impossible to please the Lord without faith. Thanks, big fella. It's impossible to please the Lord without faith. So when we're called to walk in a manner worthy of him, to please him, and to know, okay, if I'm going to do that, then I have to function from a level of faith, and I have to trust in him. In all of our seasons of life, we have to trust in him. And man, I, I love that picture where Jesus reached out, saved him, looked him in the eyes, and said, why'd you doubt? Isn't it amazing how Jesus can just get right to the point? <laughs> he didn't hand him a towel. He didn't first take the seaweed off his face. Peter, what are you doing? Why'd you doubt? Why'd you lack faith right then? You had the faith to get out in the middle of the storm. And you walked right to me. And when you got closer to me, you began to lack faith. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. And I look at it as our journey of faith. Sometimes you, you get saved and you're like, you're like ready to go. You're like a tiger with some meat. You're like, ah, oh, this is amazing. Woo. And then the more you walk in that path, it seems like we lose faith instead of gain faith. And man, we need to be as fired up from the beginning to the middle to Jesus' great return until we go home with him. And it's something beautiful. Come on. So, hey, listen, welcome to Believer's Chapel. Special day today. We are in our marriage series called Blessed. And I asked Renee a question like, what, what makes our marriage blessed? It's been 29 years, October 16th, 1993. And uh, it's been 29 years this past October. And we are, we are blessed and we have a good marriage. And, and, you know, a couple things took place this weekend that I want to touch on. Um, uh, we had a wonderful showing for our our float. We were in the Santa Claus parade in Olean. Olean has done a phenomenal job, uh, just a, a, a great job downtown, great job with their lights. I'm excited about our city and what they have done. And I, I asked the team, I said, hey, uh, do we want to be in the float this year? Melissa Reiner, who oversees Voyager, she's like, Voyagers will take it. She was so excited. She loves these things. She's like, Voyagers will take the float. And you had Matt Kolb and Chris Austin. They built our stable, that stable that's in there. That was on the float. That stable's coming up here for Christmas Eve for our drama. Um, just a thanks to them. A huge shout out to Bobcat of Olean right down the street here. They let us borrow their truck and trailer to be able to put everything on. And we held that for a few days, which was such a blessing, such a blessing um, for that. And we won first place in the spiritual float category. It's amazing, right? I think we're the only spiritual float, but we still won first place. Had there been 10, I think we still would have won first place, even if you're the only one. Like, that's not like second place. That's like, that's like first place trophy. I don't even know if we get a trophy or anything, but honorable mention that we won the spiritual award. And, uh, but a lot of work went into that. And it was such a fun night. Like, I hope that if you were in Olean, you saw it. I hope as one who's a part of Believer's Chapel, you're like, ah, that's my church. Had a wonderful compliment as we're pulling up. Uh, one of the people checking us in was so excited about our float. This is so nice. This is wonderful. And they were just really over the top about, about how good our float looked, how simple it was, just the nativity scene. It was so much fun, a lot of kids. But then they looked at their name and they're like, oh, well, no wonder. It's, it's, it's Believer's Chapel. And that's a serious compliment to this church. 
and who we are and what we do. And uh, they were excited about that, and it was awesome. And then we had, last weekend, we had the Ellen Scott Band here. And uh, what a great, great moments of ministry uh, from their hearts, from those who were just shattered in pieces. And then Jesus puts these pieces back together. And just to know and be reminded again, Jesus heals. Jesus can take our broken pieces and bring it back and bring wonderful sense of healing to the broken heart and the broken spirit and the broken soul and a life that was filled with pieces. The one that the enemy thought that he had, Jesus comes in and puts these pieces back together and puts together a beautiful story. And my, my bragging is on this church because you could, you could, the way they set it up is you could do $1,000 or a free will offering. And I said, I'm not a big fan of, of I don't do many free will offerings. We take up our tithes and offerings we are blessed by you and your generosity and your obedience to tithes and offerings. I don't do a lot of offerings, as you well know. Or you can do $2,700 and no offering. I'm like, well, we're going to do the $2,700 and bless them that way. And then it was just in my heart and my spirit to, to say, you know what? We're also going to take up an offering. And you guys, as Believer's Chapel, and I have no idea what was given online. Renee and I gave online. I know many other people gave online. I have no idea what was given online. A spare-of-the-moment offering, this church took in over $3,100. That's over $3,100. Most of that was cash. You people carry some grizz, man. You got the green in your pocket. That's amazing. And I just want to say thank you to that. And I'm so proud of this church to be such a blessing to a ministry that is out there doing the work to the broken, the lost, the hurting. And God's doing amazing work through them. And I am proud of this church. And I'm so thankful for this church and what, what you mean. And one of, their, one of the, the Scott Allen band, one, one of the things they said on repeat, and I even got a text from him on Thursday. I sent him a text. He sent a text back. And, said, and I, I heard it on Sunday many times. There is such a spirit of excellence within this church. And he said, I need you, know, you need to know something, Sean. It's uncommon. We go in a lot of places. What you have here is rare. What you have here is uncommon. I'm not saying we're better than anybody. I'm saying what he said. There's a spirit of excellence in this church because of the people of this church, because of the people of this church that makes this place so special. This is a special place to be. And you are amazing people. And I praise the Lord for you. And I'm honored to be the pastor of this church. I love to hear these things from people coming in. Don't know us from nothing. They say, Sean, you've got something rare here. And you've got amazing people here. And that's on you. And I love you. Can we give God praise for that, please? Come on, amen. So good. So good. Hey, come on. Today's a special day. I got my bride with me. And uh, man, I am excited for today. I asked her a few weeks ago. I said, hey, listen, I want to do a thing where you and me are on stage together. And we're just, and I asked her a simple question. Renee, we've been married 29 years. And uh, we do have a blessed marriage. Uh, every marriage has ups and downs and every marriage has seasons. Every marriage has, has your times that, that, you know, you like each other, but you don't love each other. And you're just you're like, okay, I love you, but I don't want to be around you. Like, like I'm not, I've never had that for her, by the way. I've never, ever felt that way with Renee. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, the reality is, is we have a good marriage. And it's been 29 years. And my parents have been married over 20 years. Her parents have been, I'm, I'm sorry, have been married over 20 years. They've been married over 20 years. They're, they've been married over 50 years. Renee's parents have been married over 50 years. We lost her father in 2019, but her mom and dad had a great marriage. My mom and dad have a great marriage. We come from great stock and we do it God's way. And we have a marriage that is blessed. So I asked her, I said, what are some things? And there, this, it could be a very long list. We don't have time for a long list. I said, give me a few things of what, what is it that we've done right that allows us to have a blessed marriage? The, the number one answer, obviously, is Jesus. Jesus is the priority following his script. But what are some tangible things, according to the scripture, that we have said, we're keeping these things in place, and this is what we have done well. And we, 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 we do have a wonderful, 
a wonderful relationship. We laugh, we cry, we have fun, we encourage one another, we build one another. Uh, God has allowed us to have three amazing children, which we love dearly. Two of them are out of the house and married uh, to wonderful, amazing, God-fearing people. Nathan's great, Katie is great. Uh, we love our family, and, and God has blessed our house. So today is just Renee and I going, we've done these four things. There's many other things, but these are four things that we have done that we just want to share with you to say, listen, this is how we do it. Um, not perfect, no. Is it good? Yes. Is it a happy home? Yes. Um, and, and it is a wonderful, wonderful place. So, Renee Oberkfall, I love you. I honor you. I'm excited to get into this with you. Um, let's just start, right, with, with just a simple prayer, and then we'll get into this. Come on, we got to cruise. Lord, I love you so much, and I thank you for my bride. I thank you for my wife. Thank you for my girl. I pray that you bless her even today. Father, bless this word that we just speak just truth to, to, to this place and to these people. God, I thank you for your blessing on our house and our marriage. God, I thank you for your favor. God, I thank you for your favor. Let the favor of the Lord God be upon us and confirm the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. God, you have favored us, and I thank you for that. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Come on, amen? Yes. Amen. Man, I hope this series has been a blessing to you so far. We got this week, uh, maybe next week, and maybe the one after. we we'll see how, how it goes. Um, but point number one is this. Renee and I talked about this 29 years in. We've got a long ways to go, man. We've got a lot of years ahead of us. But one thing that we believe that we have done well is, is, is just simply this. Embrace your season. Embrace your season. Love your season. When you understand, like, like life goes, life is just a journey. It's a long journey. And life is, is sliced naturally, biblically, in different seasons right? There's the teenage season. Love your season. Embrace your season as a teenager. You get it once. That's it. You're never going back. We have adults acting like teenagers. Don't do that. Like if you're a teenager, be a teen. If you're 19, act like you're 19. If you're 30, don't act like you're 19. Get out of your mom's basement. You're not supposed to do that, right? So like the reality is if you're 19, act like you're 19. Love your season. Be in your season, right? If you're single, love your season. My idea in this whole thing is if you, if you try to skip a season in life to try to get on to the next season because you don't want to deal with this season, but you want to get on to the next season, God has something for you in the season that you're in right now that if you skip that season or you don't embrace that season, you're going to miss what God has for you. There's so much that God has for you being single that you would embrace your season, love your season, and the next season will come. If you're dating, that's a season. Renee and I are like, what seasons did we go through? Obviously, we dated, right? She fell in love with me early. First day at Edinburgh University, just outside Erie, Pennsylvania. I met her first day, and she was hook, line, sinker. I win. High five my older brother that introduced us, and I'm like, bro, like, she's like, she's like, Loves me already, Todd. It was just incredible that the way that worked. Nine days in, she's like, Sean, I love you. I'm like, I know. It was amazing. She expected an I love you back. I'm like, way too early for me. But um, <laughs> I know, right? True story, but it's reality. It wasn't nine days. It was nine days. Let, like, it's just it so funny. Like, woman, you just never it was get nine days. Listen, submit. It, it was nine days. No, I'm <laughs> Time really flew, I guess, you know. It was amazing. Um, I know, time flew with me in nine days. It was like, this guy's amazing. Like, like a thousand woo! years, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but what happens when you embrace your dating season? Like my encouragement for those who are dating is embrace that time. Love that time. 
That's the time that you're really figuring this thing out. Okay, are we right for each other? Do we have some things that we are truly compatible with? Even though you both love Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're meant for each other. Like there's a lot of people who love Jesus that can't stand each other, right? Like that, that, that's, we have to really get into this. Do I, do, am I really getting to know her? Like, am I going to be able to really get to know her? Is she putting on a front? Is she a true nag? Is she one that's always critical? Am I getting to know him? Is he just sweet and kind now? When I get to know him, when his real colors show up, is he harsh? Is he an anger man? Does he have anger management? Does he have anger issues? Does he really have, like, there's a lot of things that show up that you should begin to begin to peg as red flags. Don't skip that season of dating embrace that season. And then when you're like, okay, no, wait, this is real. No, we love Jesus. We both love Jesus. He loved Jesus before I came in the picture. She loved Jesus before I came in the picture. We're both really under the same denominator of Jesus Christ. And we understand that. And then you start unpacking character and you start unpacking integrity and you start unpacking kindness. And these are things that you start unpacking through dating. If you skip all that just to get to the altar, you've missed something and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. If you rush to the altar to get married just because you want to be married, but you can't embrace the season of what it is to date, then you're going to miss something. And if you miss something, you'll regret it later. Please hear me on this. So, so really, when you see what it is to embrace your season and to love your season and don't compromise on your season, because that's dating. And then the season of first being married. If you've been married a long time and you remember what it was when, when you really first got married, you're in the first year and you're adjusting and you're using each other's toothbrushes and that's amazing. <clears throat> you're not there, honey. We do. Listen, if we make out, I don't know the difference. So, you know, <clears throat> there's not really much of a difference. We talked about this in the He's first He's just service. being funny. Everyone relax. Everyone relax. If you don't think I use your toothbrush, that's good. a victory for me. All right, um, I'll go home and throw them all away. We'll start all over. <laughs> <laughs> no. But in the, in, the, you know, in the beginning of your marriage, right, like that's an amazing season. You're making major adjustments to one another. You're really figuring out what it is to live with somebody else. You're figuring all that out. What a beautiful season that is. And if you, if you rush that beginning of your marriage and you rush that, and, and, and you're going to miss something that God has that is so important to building that friendship, building that relationship, building that first part of that marriage, and making the adjustment that you need to make because the next season is children. Right. And we, we have three amazing children, two out of the house. Eman is still is he's a junior in high school. So he's still with us. And we've got to finish strong with Ethan. Like, that's what we've been saying. We need to finish strong, man. We need to really we really need to finish strong with this young man and just develop him and see God do a great work in and through him. And we're pumped about that. But then the, then the children come and that's a different season. And you need to embrace what it is to have children in the house. It changes the dynamics of it's not just you and me anymore. Now we have to tend to, we have to care, we have to lead, we have to provide, we have to protect. But you can't forget about you two. You're not married to your children. You're never married to your children. They're not one with you. You teach, you train, you send. And you hope that you do a good job in sending that they're ready for life. Again, we have Carter and Olivia, and they have been built for where they're at right now. They are ready for life, and they are in life, and they're building their own families, and they have been released, and it's beautiful to see what God's doing in and through them and their spouses. It's just something special. And, but we had to embrace that season. We made adjustments to having children. Even in our marriage, you make adjustments. And then you, you, you come to that season where the kids are out of the house. And many of you are in that season. You've been in that season. 
And again, you need to embrace that season. You need to love that season. You need to look at this and say, okay, now it's time for grandkids, right? And the beautiful season of what grandkids look like and just that whole thing. When you, when you look at life and say, okay, if we're in this for the long haul, which we are, marriage is a journey, which is this long road, and it's going to come in a lot of different seasons. But if you realize, okay, these seasons are Bible seasons. These seasons are, are these seasons of life that either we can adjust ourselves and embrace the very season that we're in. So many times you want to rush through a season. You miss what God has for you in that season. God will teach you something. God will fix something in that season. God will mature you in that season, and it's vital. But if you just want to skip it to get on to the next season because a rough patch was hit or something else took place, or you just can't wait for this next season of my life, you're missing what God has for you right now, right here in the very season that you're in. Whether you're dating, whether you're newly married, whether you're in the process of now children, or whether the children are grown up into teenagers and adults and they're out of the house, a different season, and then you come into that place where the, the house is quiet again. It's just the two of you, adjustments are made, and we live in this season and we've embraced this season. That's, that's so important. And then point number two is this, and this is where Renee's gonna go at it. So point number two is this. Point number one, embrace, love your season. Point number two is this. What's point number two, babe? What's point number two? Uh, choose life. life. Choose, life. <laughs> choose life. Right. While she speaks for a moment, turn to Proverbs 18, please. Come on. BC, let's turn to Proverbs 18. Okay. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. And it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. So we choose life. Everyone has a choice. You are either choosing life today or you are choosing death. And the Bible tells us as God's people that we are to choose life. We are to speak life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we have to choose today. Who are you going to serve? I'm going to serve the Lord. Me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. So you have to start making these choices. Our family goes to church on Sunday. We choose to go worship the Lord and praise the Lord because it is the Lord's day. So that is our choice. We go and we do that. And so when you start to make these good choices and these blessed choices, then your life starts to go in that direction of blessing where you see your children are being, they're thriving, they're planted in the house of God. They know who they are. They have a confidence. They know who they are in Christ Jesus. And so you have to make a determination that you are going to choose life for you and your little ones. Can you read Proverbs 18, please? 20 through 22. Proverbs 18, 20 through 22. And, and one thing that we have to understand is um, your words, your words have death and life. When you're speaking of marriage and you want to choose life, the thing that will make or break your marriage, the condition of your marriage is your fault based off the words you speak. Jimmy Evans, which is an amazing communicator, uh, Jimmy and Karen Evans, they have a ministry called uh, Marriage Today. And they are fantastic when it comes to marriage teaching. And uh, he, he said a quote that I've not forgotten. I wrote it down. And I love it. I want you to see it. It says, your marriage will never be better than your mouth. I love this. Your marriage will never be better than your mouth. How you speak, uh, the tone that you use, uh, the sarcasm that you use. The, there's so many different things that you can speak and your marriage, it's never, your mouth is a litmus test to whether you have a good marriage or you have a bad marriage. Your mouth is that litmus test. 
right? And, and Renee's just going to read this. I want you to hear this. I want you to see what she says about this. Come on. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm your favor. Here I am. Yeah, baby. I love it. <laughs> And that's true. She reminds me of that verse all the time. John, I am I give you favor. Mrs. Wright. You are Mrs. Wright. I'm always right because I'm Mrs. Wright. <laughs> Just yes, kidding. dear. Just kidding. Those are the two famous Mostly. words. Okay. Gentlemen, yes, dear. That's yes, all you guys yes, say. Yes, when yes. you disagree, yes, dear. It's not complicated. Come on, read that again one more time, please. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. What do you think? And so when we unpack this, it's amazing because we've had quite the revelation of death and life being in the power of our tongue in our own home. And so we've made a switch. We kind of have a new perspective on all of the words. We've kind of like put all of our words under a magnifying glass lately, like not in a bad way, but a good way. Like we want to make a turn. We want to change and be active in thinking, what am I speaking? Because it's so important that we are speaking life to our husband, our spouse, our children, our friends, our, our, our people in our workplace. But it's very hard to get stuck and the Bible says that your tongue is like a rudder in a ship. It's this small little piece, and in your, in your body is like a ship, and your tongue is taking you in a certain direction. And when our rudder is in the right direction, we are going the right way. We are going God's way. When our rudder is in the wrong direction, we're going the opposite way, and that's not the right way. So we have to stay right. We have to stay on course. And so in our house, we're kind of saying, you know, did you just say, what did you just say? Why would you say that? Is, is, is that, do you want the fruit of what you just said? Are you saying, oh, I never win. Oh, I'm never going to win. Or I'm never going to make it through this. Or I'm never going to be able to do this. It's all these can'ts, I won'ts, I don't know, or something. But you have to change and get your rudder in the right direction. You have to speak words of blessing. You have to choose the words that you're using and bless others. I need to say please and thank you. Sean, will you please empty the dishwasher for me? Thank you, honey. You're amazing. Look, oh my goodness. And so we use these words that will complement our spouse. We have to keep planting seeds because every time our words are seeds and you're going to have a harvest no matter what the words were. Are these words of blessing or cursing? If you're using words of blessing, then you get a harvest of blessing. And so we want to keep planting seeds no matter what you're saying. You have to be reminded that you're going to have this, this fruit of what you have already spoken. And so we are becoming very careful that we would speak the right words. And for example, so we're speaking on marriage today and we have singles. And if you say, oh, I'm never gonna find the right one. I dated and I just, I don't know. I must be, you know, 
just terrible. Or like, you have to change your perspective. You have to say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm going to trust God. I believe, Lord, that you have the perfect mate for me. I know that you have a helper because your word says you have to go to the word of God and say, Lord, you said that you will bring a helper, a suitable mate for me. I declare that in Jesus' name. I believe it. I'm going to walk in faith. We are people of faith. So we have to start walking by faith and using our words to be a blessing. And one thing I just want to use in as, as an example, because even when you're sick or you're feeling bad, those are times when you you know, these words come out that you don't really mean, and you start saying these things that don't even line up with how you really believe, because we are people, we believe that God heals. We believe that he's the great physician. And in one particular moment, uh, several years back when my kids were little, I had to take an antibiotic, and it just had a weird side effect on me. So I couldn't sleep. I had all this anxiety. I had to go off of the thing. But at one point, it was the enemy had these thoughts in my head. You know, you're probably going to die tonight. You're, you're probably not even going to live to see tomorrow. Sean was at work. He was working nights. He was a police officer. And I was home alone. And you know what I did? It was the Spirit of God that rose up inside of me. I stood up, and I, I couldn't sleep. It was probably 2 in the morning or something. And I started walking all through my house, and I said, In the name of Jesus, I will live. I will not die. You are a liar. I am married. I have children. I will live. You have a long life for me, Lord. I know that this is not my end. And I kept declaring every scripture that could come to my mind. And I was, I knew that God had delivered me after praying. And I was just walking up and down my stairs through my house. My kids, my babies were sleeping, but I knew that I had to start declaring something and using my tongue. And it's amazing how um, I told the example in the first service that I went through also a time where I just felt like, you know, Renee, you always say the wrong thing. It's these enemy comes with these thoughts and said, why don't you just be quiet? Don't say anything. So I said, okay, fine. I'm going to zip it up. I'm going to throw away the key. I'm not going to say another word. And it's once again, God rose up in my spirit and said, no, Renee, you speak. You have to bless don't curse. Use words of blessing. Change your perspective. Turn it around. And with God's help, he's with us. He never leaves us. And he will take your hand and he will lead you and he will be by your side and he will start building you up. And you just know that he's fighting your every battle, that he is with you through all of it. Amen. And when, when you, when you just have this, this, your soul carries this, this scale with it, right? And, and it's a scale that is, is this balance of scale that you're either complimenting or you're criticizing. And, and the spirit can only take so much criticism. And, and, and our, in marriage and even in family and with your children and your children to one another, brothers and sisters, the whole family unit, children to their parents, like if all you do is criticize, then you're not in a good, you're not in a good healthy place. Your spirit is broken. Your soul's in a bad spot. If your marriage is filled, and I mean filled with compliments, and the, and the scale of my compliments versus my criticism. There's, there's nothing wrong with correction. At times you need correction, and that's fine. That's not criticism. Correction has life to it. Correction has, listen, we're going to fix this, and it's going to be better than it has been. Like that's what, that's what correction is, right? 
That's not criticism. Criticism is always that nagging critical spirit. And, and that's the opposite of the complimentary spirit, the one who has compliments, the one who, who constantly rises up, the one who speaks up to somebody or a situation instead of always speaking down to it. It's you that when, when, you, when you're walking in sarcasm, you're lifting yourself up and saying things that put another person down. Like when you lift people up and you lift your spouse up, it's, it's, just, it's a SWAT term called protect and cover. We have to protect and then we have to cover. You never want to speak something that somebody else can take and take it in a negative way that you just spoke about your wife or your children, right? You need to be speaking up to and not down to. You need to be leaving people knowing, man, they just really speak highly and compliment and they don't criticize. In your own home between a husband and a wife, what does that skill look like? Is it always one that's critical or is it always one that compliments? Because the Bible in Proverbs 21, verse 9, 19, 27, 15, speaks about a woman who is a, con a contentious wife. She's a woman who all she does is like to argue. She loves strife. She loves to criticize. She always loves to just be that sandpaper to a conversation. She's the one who always wants to con counter what was just being said. And, and it's just a, a difficult woman to be married to. Right? The opposite is that harsh man. Right? A harsh word stirs up anger. The Bible in Proverbs 12, 18 speaks about the one whose words are like the thrust of a sword. And it's just that harsh, angry man. And when you, when you speak, you speak with a tone that is a harsh tone. You speak with a tone that is anger. And man, if you're in this relationship and you're in this marriage, the man, when you begin to say, okay, hold on. Man, it's time to make some changes and it's time to watch every word that I speak. We have a thing in our house between Renee and I that we really have, like, like Renee said, we're in this amazing mode to say every word matters. Every word matters. How we speak it, the tone that we speak it, if it needs to be spoken, like every word matters. And when, when you understand that, man, we begin to work on what it means to be that, that contentious, argumentative criticism. We work on what it means to be harsh and using our tone. Like when you get that, man, there's victory in this, right? There can be sweet victory with our tongue when we begin to break down every word matters. Just a few verses, uh, Proverbs 21, 23, just simply says this. If you're Proverbs 18, just go to Proverbs 21, 23. It says, it says this, he who guards his mouth, and it'll be up on the screen for you as well. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his, I love it, guards his soul from troubles. And the word guard is a military term. He who protects, he who guards, he who muzzles his mouth. Sometimes you just need to put a muzzle on that thing and shut up, right? There are times you just need to zip it, throw away the key. Like this is what we need to do, right? He who guards his mouth and his tongue, I love it, guards his soul from troubles. Proverbs 13, verse three, that'll be up on the screen as well. Proverbs 13, verse three, I love this. Again, same thought, it says this, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life, but the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Like, isn't that true? Right? The one who guards his mouth preserves his life, but the one who just feels like I can just say anything at any time, the Bible says you're going to ruin your life. When you really know, even what Renee said, every word you speak is a seed. It will bear a harvest, good or bad, life or death. Come on. Proverbs 16.24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And so when you break this down, you're seeing that kind words are like honey. 
and they're sweet. And so if Sean says something complimentary to me, it's like honey. It's even, it, it feeds my soul even, those words. Just speaking a word of encouragement, which he is amazing at. He's a very encouraging person. And so it says that it's healthy for my body. Actually, your words can be healthy for someone else's body. So you have to be just knowing and having a conscious effort to speak words that bless. And I was thinking earlier, you know, it's just funny, like, you know, you can say, honey, pour some honey on me, you know? It's just, speak something nice. I'm just saying. I know, and it's so funny, because... I've not heard that before, but I'm just saying. And it, it, it's just, I know it's like a song or something. <laughs> but, but that's the kind of thing, like, as a husband and wife, you can make this effort to be like, honey, can you just use some honey instead? Like, make the situation, turn this around. If you're having a conflict, like, let's just turn this around. Let's, let's not focus on it. And Sean is really good at not making mountains out of molehills, you know? And it's so funny because there's so many sayings in the Bible that, or like scripture in the Bible that we get little sayings from. And it just came because when I, I was... Uh, looking at mountains and, you know, you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. You can speak these words of faith. You know, God says to use these words, but it says in Zechariah, it says, say to the mountain that you shall be removed. You shall become a mere molehill. Mm. And so Sean is good at making, you know, things that look big. He brings them down to a molehill, you know, like babe, I got this. It's okay. You don't need to worry about this. This is not a big deal. I'm going to take care of it. And I love when Sean covers me like that because in my mind, I make it like sometimes this big thing and it doesn't have to be a big thing. And he brings it back down and says, no, we're going to be fine. I'm going to take care of it. And that's a blessing. Amen. Amen. And then, so number one, right? Embrace your season, love your season. Number two, man, watch the words we speak, right? Choose life. When you speak, choose life. Number three, this was Renee's idea. She's like, Sean, we really got to talk about intimacy in the bedroom. I'm like, we can talk about it or, you know, whatever. But anyways, um, this is Song of Solomon. And this is one of those things. Again, we're looking back over 29 years, right? What makes our marriage work? What makes our marriage work? And God's design plan for intimacy and sexual relationship, it's a beautiful thing between a husband and a wife. And I think so many times, even growing up, and I'm not saying not, not in my house, but so many times, even in church life or otherwise, people make, and then they speak to their kids that, that, that sex is a negative. They bring sex out in a negative light. No, wait a minute. Sex before marriage is sinful, but the sex is in the negative, makes sin the negative. Speak about sin being negative and not sex being negative. Sex is God-given, God-created. It's amazing, it's beautiful, and it's wonderful. And it is absolutely personal. It's, it's got a privilege to it between a husband and wife. There's an amazing purpose to it. There's an amazing priority to it. So when you see, biblically speaking, sex is not is, don't make sex into a negative. Sex is an absolute positive. It's a God gift to a husband and wife. So parents, please hear me. If you're raising children, because then they're going to get all confused when they go and get married. They'll be like, ah, this is such a negative thing. And, and they actually push it off instead of embracing it because all they've heard growing up of, is a, of it in a negative. You see what I'm saying, right? So when you see, okay, sex is in a negative. Sin is a negative. Speak to the sin about the negative, but don't speak about sex as the negative because sex is something beautiful that God has created between a husband 
and a wife. That's very important in raising your kids and being open about it, talking about it uh, in a very positive way so that when they get into the, the, the privilege of sex, which is in marriage, they don't, they don't go into it shy. They don't go into it with a negative mindset because that's all they've heard. They go into it and they embrace it and say, no, wait, this is God's gift. This is beautiful and this is wonderful. And then they can truly have a wonderful, wonderful relationship between a husband and wife. For so, so in 29 years, you say, okay, what, are, what is one of the even biblical ingredients that has really allowed Renee and I to really have a solid, good, strong marriage and relationship. And, and honestly, when you follow the pattern of Scripture, right, I love it where 1 Corinthians 7, verse 4 and 5, Paul is writing this to the church at Corinth, which was a messed up church, and, and, and by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is what he has to say about sex. He simply says, stop depriving yourself. Like, I love it, and it, and it means don't stop having sex. If you're depriving one another of sex, you need to stop doing that. If you've stopped having sex, you need to get back on the wagon. Like this is, this is, this is what this is talking about. And I love that in the sense of there's a very real purpose of a husband and wife coming together as one. There's physically, there's a very real purpose and a priority in it because Paul writes this is, listen, stop depriving one another. The word depriving, it means robbing one another. Like when you understood I'm going into marriage and when I go into marriage, this is a piece of this beautiful thing that God's created in husband and wife. And in that, I'm not going to deprive one another except for by prayer and by agreement. If we both agree that, man, we need to get serious about this. We need to pray about this. We need to put this aside for just a season, right? That's a short prayer in my, in my book. Like let's, let's make the prayer short. And let's move on in life, right? If Renee starts praying, it's long. I'm like, girl, we got to get back on, you know what I'm saying. But it's just like- it's time when to you, fast and pray, fast and pray. She, she, she says, keep fast and pray. I said, but it's by agreement and I don't agree. So here we go. So uh, amazing. Um, but when you really understand that, there's a true beautifulness to a husband and wife uh, where I love this, consistency brings victory in the bedroom. You've got to be consistent, right? You've got to be consistent. Because Paul also writes in verse five, because if you, if you continue to deprive one another, then you're opening the door for the enemy to come in and tempt you. You're opening the door for the enemy to come in and tempt you. So we're gonna read this, Song of Solomon chapter four. Renee's gonna read this. And I want you to just see this, man. This is uh, the, the true love chapter between uh, King Solomon and his bride. And this is, this is the desire between a man and a woman this is, how she, this is how she sees her man, right? No, wait, this is me. I want to read this. This is how the man sees the woman. It says this, Solomon chapter four, verse one. How beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shown ooze. Your lips are like scarlet thread and your mouth is lovely. Your temples are like a slice of pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David. Your two breasts are like fawns. And then verse 70 says this, you are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. I love where he looks at her and he, he just, he begins to be very intimate between every single piece of who she is in her body. And, and I love this church. How many, how many do you know that, no raise of hands, but when you've been married and even before married, you do know that there are blemishes. You know that you're not marrying Mr. Perfect and Mrs. Perfect. You're not marrying perfection. You know that you're marrying a sinner saved by grace. So I love what, I love what King Solomon is saying here. He says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. Even though I know that there's blemishes, 
Through my eyes, I see no blemishes in you. What a, what a sense of covering and what a sense of love because no one's perfect. He's not saying you're perfect. He's saying, I know there's blemishes there, but I don't see them. And if I see them, I'm not bringing them up because you are altogether beautiful, my darling. And I see no blemish, even though they're there. They're not coming through my eyes. I love how he sees his wife. And then Renee, if you could just read Song of Solomon uh, chapter five, please, about the wife passion towards her man. Come on. My beloved is dazzling and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is like gold, pure, pure gold. It's gold, gold. yes. His locks are clusters of dates and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water bathed in milk and reposed in their setting. His cheeks are like a bed of balsam Banks of sweet-scented herbs. His lips are lilies dripping with liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set with beryl. His abdomen is carved. Yes, ivory. Yes, inlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of alabaster set on pillars of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. His mouth is full of sweetness. That honey again, right? And he is wholly desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend. The word beloved here, your version may say, uh, this is my lover, and this is my friend. Man, when you see that this woman checks out her man and is detailed about every piece that he has, and she says, this is my lover, and this is my friend, and, and he is wholly desirable. Church, when you, when you understand between a husband and a wife, just how beautiful the sexual relationship is, how important the sexual relationship is, how vital it is between a connection between a husband and a wife. I mean, I know that if there's obviously physical issues, that's one thing. Obviously age, that's another thing. But man, if, if, if this is such one of those pieces for 29 years, like we, we've, consistency brings victory. And we're open about it. We're not, like, it's just real. Like consistency brings victory. Consistency brings victory. And when you see the importance of it through, uh, through God Almighty, it's vital to a strong, consistent relationship in marriage. Uh, if you put it on the shelf, take it off the shelf. And, uh, and let's just let's go back to a, a loving, desirable place of, of keeping that fire hot again and, and put on the burner and get some passion back in this relationship. Come on. Fourth, fourth is this. So number one, embrace your season. Number two, choose life, speak life. Number three, put the passion back in your relationship as a husband and wife. It's good, it's God created, it's beautiful. Number four is this, you can never give up. You can never give up. Renee and I made a vow October 16th, 1993, till death do us part. In sickness and in health, for better, for worse, till death do us part. I honor this marriage. I love that. I honor this marriage. And when you understand that promise, and I can, I can t- say to you in 29 years, not once, not one time ever has divorce ever been mentioned in our house. That is a word that is never mentioned in our house. No, we, we, we can't quit. Listen, there's biblical reasons. If there's, if there's unfaithfulness, 
Um, it doesn't mean you have to divorce. You can certainly have grace and forgiveness. There's a whole, but you, you have the ability to divorce. If there's, if there's abuse, you have the ability to, you can talk it out and, and work that through. But man, if, if you understand your vows and you understand God's program for love and God's program for marriage is you've got you've to you've know, okay, the thing for longevity in marriage is we're never going to quit. We're never going to give up. We're never going to give in. It's not an option unless there's unfaithfulness or abuse. I never encourage anyone, male or female, to stay in a relationship or stay in a house where there's physical abuse. We've got to work through that. If you can't be faithful and loyal, we got to work through that. Outside of that, there's no quit. There's no giving up. What happens when you know that going in? No, we're in this sickness and in health. We're in this till death do us part. And we're 29 in and we got a lot to go and I'm excited about it. Like we're in such a good season. We're in such a good season right now. In marriage and our family and our kids, we're just in this great season and we know there's never going to quit. Listen, journey is this church. You have ups and downs. You go high, you go low, you have different seasons, but in the lows, you got to say, we're never going to quit in the highs, love it, enjoy it. But in the lows, in those seasons of life, we're never going to quit. We're never going to give up. I made a vow and I'm keeping my vow. I love this. First, first uh, Corinthians chapter 13, please. Renee's going to read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is not uh, a marriage passage. This is a love passage. We are called to love one another. We are called to serve one another. Husbands, love, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Jesus Christ made a very clear statement. He said this, I did not come here to be served, but to serve. Husbands, pick up on that. Your wife is not here just to serve you. We are called to serve one another. Yes, but you are called to serve your wife. What does your wife need from you? How are you called to serve her? How are you to, you called to fulfill what she needs? Is that doing the dishes? Is that is that doing laundry, which I've been expelled from the laundry room. I like to do laundry because I like, she's like, I got that. You do dishes, I'll do your 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 jeans. We're good to go. So I'm not allowed to do laundry. Anyways, um, my kids do it and I'm not allowed to. I'm like, hold on. I don't know if I like that. You're but, allowed. We'll let you in there. Oh, good. <laughs> Turn everything pink. It's incredible. But what happens when you get this and say, okay, I'm called to love one another. I'm called to serve. As a husband, I'm called to serve my wife. Not expect to be served, but I want to serve. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, gives us this beautiful picture of what it means to never give up. A love that never gives up is a love that never fails. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Well, these are all the things that we need to be confessing, actually, 
when you think about using your mouth to say blessings instead of cursings. And then when you pray, you pray these things and you say that I will bear all things. I will believe. I will hope. I will endure. Lord, I thank you, Father, for my husband. I thank you that you gave me a wonderful provider. I thank you, Lord, that he blesses my children and myself. I thank you, Father, that you give him wisdom from on high. I thank you, God, that you are leading him with vision for our family. And you start declaring all of these things, that he is not jealous, that he's patient, that he's loving, he's kind, he doesn't brag, he's not arrogant. I thank you, Lord, he doesn't seek his own. He does not provoke us. He is not taking into account any wrong suffered. And I thank you, Lord, that we together, we will never fail. You just start declaring this and praying this and believing this with all of your heart. And God, I know, is fighting for you because God created marriage. This is his institution. This is what represents Christ in the church is marriage. So we can know that God is going to be on your side. He is there to vindicate you. He is there to consecrate your marriage and bring you back together. No matter what direction you're in right now, you can choose right now today. Put your feet down hard on the rock the solid rock, the firm foundation, and say, no, in Jesus' name, we are turning this thing around right now. We are going in the right direction and keeping our eyes on Jesus, just like he was preaching about coming out and Peter on the boat. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, that's where we will be. We will be in the right direction, and we will understand and have love and patience and kindness for one another, and just keep your focus there. And when your mind gets off and you start to drift, you have to bring yourself back and say, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak words of blessing. I choose that today. And then God will start turning all these things around and bless you. And it says it does not take into account a wrong suffered, which means it keeps no record of wrong. One thing that will destroy your relationship is you remember last, remember yesterday, you remember last week, you remember last year, remember the beginning of our marriage, you remember when, and you just constantly bring up the what was. And you don't really understand true forgiveness and true release. I love, I love a relationship where you understand what it really means to keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Yesterday does not belong in my today. Man, yesterday does not belong in our marriage. Yesterday's over. I'm not going to keep a record of wrong. I'm not making a list of wrongs. Renee's not making a list of wrongs. She doesn't bring up yesterday. She's not bringing up last year. I'm not bringing up yesterday. I'm not bringing up last year. We understand what this means to truly forgive and to release and let it go and not talk about it again because it's been true. You have to have that in marriage. You have to have that in marriage. You're not going to escape what it is to forgive one another. You're not going to miss that in marriage. You're going to have to forgive and you're going to have to release and you're going to have to keep short accounts and you've got to be able to not keep a record of wrong. We're not writing things down that we did wrong. That's not what we do. It bears all things. That means it covers. It believes all things. That means it, it functions from this level of trust. It hopes all things. That means there's this confidence to love and it endures all things. It perseveres. A love that never quits. Verse 8 says, is a love that never fails. A love that never quits is a love that never fails. Come on, if we could just stand to our feet, please. Come on, I appreciate your time, Renee and I both. We appreciate your time today. Uh, we look forward to um, next Sunday. Come on. We could close out in a song. And just, church, where are you in this? Where's your marriage in this?